following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm going to speak tonight on the subject, Dancing in Another Man's Shoes. Where are you going, preacher? Stay with me. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the preacher. I'm going to start with something a little, little cute here before I get started. So a, a rich man was having a party, and he had a backyard party. He had a big old pool in the backyard, a huge pool. But in that pool were crocodiles and alligators and sharks and even a few snakes. And he said, the first one that can get on this end and swim to the other end of this pool, he said, I will give you anything you ask for. And before he could get the words out of his mouth good, somebody had jumped in and were swimming vigorously, hard, trying to avoid the sharks and the snakes and the gators. And finally made it to the other side and got up on the other side and was just trembling. And the man said, son, I can't believe such bravery. He said, what do you want? He said, I want to know the name of the person that pushed me in the pool. <laughs> I'm going to try to give you a gentle shove tonight, but I'm not going to push you into an alligator-infested, snake-infested, shark-infested pool. I'm going to put you in some clean water tonight, some fresh water, some water of the Holy Spirit that maybe God can do something great in your life. Let's turn this maybe into a yes tonight. Amen. Let's turn this maybe into a yes tonight. God bless you. You may be seated. In 1975... <coughs> The Vietnam city of Saigon fell to communism. And when the North Vietnamese army arrived in Saigon that day, one soldier did something very, very unusual. He walked to the center of the street and he laid down his heavy backpack. And from within that backpack, he gently withdrew an unworn pair of Oxford wingtip shoes. You remember those guys? Those old wingtips. I still have some in my house just for memory's sake. I will never wear them. For seven years, he had carried those shoes in his backpack. He did so as a fulfillment of a promise to a dying friend. His friend, a North Vietnamese man, had purchased the shoes and said, when I put on these shoes in Saigon, it will mean that the war is over and I will dance through the street in these shoes. And a shrapnel of an exploding grenade killed that person, that man, but not before he extracted a promise from his friend to carry the shoes until the war had ended. And then he said, please dance for me through the streets of Saigon in my shoes. The time for war was over and now it was time to dance. Malnourished, Poorly clothed, the man had survived. And he slipped off his filthy sandals and put on those ill-fitting new shoes. And slowly and rhythmically and almost worshipfully, the friend in the borrowed shoes danced. He danced through the streets of Saigon. He danced in another man's shoes. I know another day 
in the Bible when that happened. It happened in the books of, of Acts chapter 3 when a lame man at a gate called Beautiful was healed of something that had been in his body since he was born. And he was laid at a gate called Beautiful just outside the house of God. And all he ever asked for was alms. And one day two apostles, Peter and John, decided at prayer time, nine, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, to go to the house of God for prayer. And they passed this man. And in Acts 3 it says, Then Peter said to the man, when he asked for silver and gold, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man that had been lame from his birth, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, the man, leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. He was never permitted to go into the temple because he was lame. But now he went in walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Question, how was this man walking and leaping? He wasn't doing it in his own might and his own strength. He was healed, hear me now, through and by the name of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. He was healed through and by the name of Jesus Christ. So many times, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but so many times we cry for God to do something. God heal me, God heal me. But that's not what you need to do. You need to signature that prayer. You need to write a John Hancock on that prayer and make it big and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, heal this situation in my life. There is a name that we don't use like we need to use. And that name still has power. And that name still heals. And that name still delivers. And that name still sets free. Somebody clap your hands and say, there's power in the name of Jesus. It's a common enough theme in life, walking in another man's shoes. We are told that to understand someone, one must walk a mile in that person's shoes. Or as my dad said, don't ever fuss about an Indian. We have it in our blood system. Until you've walked a mile in his moccasins, don't fuss about him. But at times, this takes a brand new dimension. Some people have accomplished astounding things in what we call borrowed shoes. Billy Mills in the 64 Olympics 
ran the 10,000 meter race. And the U.S. Olympic Committee refused to provide him shoes for the race, saying they only had enough shoes for those they expected to do well. So he didn't get any shoes. So Billy borrowed someone else's shoes and became the only American ever to win the gold medal in the 10,000 meter race. He raced and won in another man's shoes. Or think of the major league debut of Dizzy Dean, the great Diz, pitching for the St. Louis Cardinals. He threw a three-hitter in a pair of shoes he had borrowed from a teammate. He won his first game in another man's shoes. But in a spiritual sense, each of us operates, really, in another man's shoes. For when Peter and John spoke to the lame man, they acted not on their behalf, but on Jesus Christ's behalf. Figuratively, they were walking in the Lord's shoes. See, this story is in the chapter following the birth of the church in Acts 2. This is an Acts 3 story. Jerusalem was filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People were being saved. They were repenting, being baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were being delivered and set free and healed and made whole. And one afternoon, Peter and John walked to the temple to pray. And they spied this lame man begging for alms, begging at a gate called Beautiful. He had an ugly problem in a beautiful place. Let me say that again. He had an ugly problem in a beautiful place. Let me tell you something. There's not a more beautiful place than the house of God. There's not a more beautiful place than the house of God. Jacob said when he saw the angels ascending and descending in Genesis 28, he said, this is none other than the gate of heaven, and this is the house of God. I will tell you that this house right here is the gateway to heaven. Church house ought to be the gateway to heaven, and God ought to be ascending and descending on this place. And it's not good to have an ugly problem in a beautiful place. So tonight the Holy Spirit has asked me to come and talk to you and tell you that he can fix your ugly problem in this beautiful place because his name still has the power that it's always had. Somebody clap your hands. And so Peter admitted their lack of monetary treasures and they also confessed the power of the name of Jesus Christ. At that moment, Peter and John stepped into another man's shoes. And by the power of the name of Jesus, the lame man was healed. Now, let me talk. This morning when I was praying, I knew what I wanted to speak on and it was pushing on my mind what I wanted to say, but I just didn't get it until I got it today. And I want to preach a point to you right now. I want to say something to you right now that I feel very strongly about. And if I get beside myself talking about this, please forgive me. I'll come back to earth. But this church needs a baptism of boldness. Come on now, help me preach. Boldness prompted Peter and John to pray for this man. Boldness is what we find the church praying for in the next chapter of the book of Acts. 
they went back to the upper room and they prayed for boldness. We need boldness. These people had just been filled with the Spirit a chapter or two before and now they were back praying again for boldness because sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes in us, we are timid about it. We think we don't deserve it and God is saying, I just filled you up with the greatest thing I could ever put in you. This is my best gift ever and what needs to happen is you need to get back down on your knees and say, all right, God, if you're trusting me with this, then I'm gonna trust you with my prayers. I'm fixing to pray bigger and larger and bolder than I've ever prayed in my life because if you can do this, you can do anything. The church was bold back then. We need the same boldness today. See, this church is not an ivory tower. This church is a city upon a hill whose light cannot be hid. And it draws the lost and it draws the hurting. Hurting people are here tonight. There's no telling what was told to these prayer partners here tonight. The needs and the anguishes and the hurt and the pain that these people are feeling. And it draws the lost and the hurting to us. But we need to pray that God elevates our boldness to match our position. If we're a city set on a hill, our boldness needs to match our position. The world is sick of timid, fearful Christians. And heaven is ashamed of nervous believers. You don't have to amen that. I'm gonna preach it anyhow. Didn't Ephesians said we have the shield of faith? Didn't Paul say we have the helmet of salvation? Didn't he say we have the breastplate of righteousness? Didn't he say we have the sword of the spirit? Come on, can't this quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one? I'm here to declare some of us need the boldness that a little woman in the Old Testament had named Deborah. She was a female judge and I like to talk about Old Testament women that did powerful in the Old Testament. She called Barak one day on her cell phone and said, Barak, she said, Jabin and Sisera are coming against us and I'll tell you what God told me to tell you. He told you to come and help me fight against him. And he said, you're not going to get the credit. He's going to get the credit. <laughs> and he said that, 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 that sister is going to be turned over to a little girl named Jael. She's going to take care of him. A woman's going to destroy the king of our, of our enemies. And he, she said, I want you to come. And, and Barak came and joined in, and they defeated the hosts of, Je, of Je, uh, Sarah, uh, Sisera and Jabin. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. People that rise up in boldness, people that rise up with God's word on their mouth and speak it no matter how large it is. He said, pray it to me, talk to me about it. Let me hear you. See, I believe that those Hebrew boys made a statement to the king when they said, we will not bow to the images of this world. Throw us in the fire. Go ahead. We're bold enough to let you know we're going to come out of the fire that you put us in. And when they came out of the fire, not only were they not burned, there was not even a smell of smoke on them. Ah, my Lord. Because when you get bold, God steps out and says, I like that. I love Joshua. I love Joshua. I love Joshua. What time is it? I got to get through here. I love Joshua. Joshua's one of my heroes. See, he's, he's Moses' sidekick. And his name was Joshua, and his name meant salvation. But 
Moses changed the name to Joshua, which means the Lord is my salvation. It's the same word in the Old Testament as Jesus is in the New. The Lord is our salvation. And, 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 and Joshua was one of those guys, just one of those guys that believed that God could do anything. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this trilogy of miracles that Joshua walked through. See, Moses dies and doesn't get to bring the children of Israel into the land of promise. Moses held the staff over the Red Sea and it parted. And then he held the staff and it came back and swallowed up the Egyptians. But he died, was buried on Mount Nebo. And now Joshua's in charge. <laughs> and Joshua comes to the Jordan River. See, it's not a sea. It's not tranquil and quiet and placid. It's a rushing. It's, it's fall season. It's overflowing its banks. And Joshua walks up and there's no hocus pocus. There's no, he just said, we're going to let the priest put their foot in the water while they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. And when they place their foot in the water, the waters are going to part. Joshua said that. That was his first big deal. That was a big deal. And when those priests stepped in that water, the Bible said the waters rescinded 17 miles up to the city of Adam. And the Israelites walked over on dry ground. Then a little bit later, they've got this city to conquer called Jericho. Guess who's in charge? It's Joshua. And Joshua sees an angel and he said, hey, I'd like to know whose side are you on, ours or theirs? Because he's a little scared and the angel said, neither. I belong to the host of the Lord. And Joshua said, well, I'm on your team. I tell people when they come in, they're big old boys, big old guys. I said, if something breaks out tonight, you're on my team. I want you to know something, Lord. If something breaks out here tonight, I'm on your team. I'm on your team. I want Jesus to do a great thing in this house tonight. And the walls of Jericho came down on the seventh day. They came down. We'll preach about how later. But now Joshua 10 comes. Joshua 10 comes. He's walked across the Jordan. The walls are falling down. And now he's fighting these Gibeonites. And the battle is raging longer than it should rage. And one of his little lieutenants run up to him and said, General, we got a problem. We need a little more daylight. If we just had a little more daylight, I think we could win this thing. And Joshua didn't listen in science class. He didn't realize that the sun moved or didn't move. He thought it moved. So he looks up. Now watch this. And he says, son, stand still. And God had to chuckle. God had to chuckle. I've never seen such faith. I've never seen such faith. And God stopped the earth from rotating on its axis and circling around the sun for about a day. Here's what I want to tell you. When God smiles on your request, that means he's fixing to stop the whole world to answer what you have need of. If Joshua can stop the sun can steal the moon to stop over the valley of Agilon. You can speak into your world and say, not today, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. My family will be healed. Come on, clap your hands to that. God. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
How about Hezekiah praying that the sundial go backwards 10 degrees? You know why Hezekiah prayed that prayer? Because Isaiah had just come in and said, get your house in order, you're dying. And Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and says, Lord, I promised and I've loved you and I've done all this stuff right. And God stops Isaiah in the midcourt of the, of the palace and says, go back and tell him, I'm going to give him 15 more years. And Hezekiah says, wow, that wasn't hard. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he said, God's going to give you 15 more years, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah said, how do I know that? He said, well, do you want to sign? He said, yeah, I want to sign. He said, well, what do you want? The sun maybe to go forward 10 degrees? He said, oh, no, I want it to back up 10 degrees. <laughs> do you know scientists, folks, have figured it out, the missing day? And they realized that Joshua caused the sun to stand still for about a day. And when Hezekiah asked the sun to, I mean, the sun to back up 10 degrees, it completed a whole day. And they put that whole day back in the thing and everything balances now because the sun really did stop. And Hezekiah really did pray and the sun backed up. Here's what I'm telling you. Those were miracles of huge proportion. And I want to declare something right now. I would rather fail trying than fail to try. I would rather fail believing God for the impossible than to accept what the world calls possible because God loves bold prayers. Come on, people. Quit anguishing. Quit anguishing. Quit saying, oh, God. Somebody call the preacher. Somebody call the preacher. Somebody call the preacher. No. Call on the Lord. Call on the Lord. The God that answers my prayer will answer your prayers. The God of heaven will come down and touch your life and heal your family and save your souls. Oh. Hallelujah. God. Shake this place tonight. Fill us with your spirit. Everybody say the church needs boldness. And our boldness is borrowed. Say it's borrowed. Now I'm not talking about self-confidence. I'm talking about God confidence. Or as Cass called it at the ladies thing, Godfidence. My daughter come up with a new word that I love. It's not in us, it's God in us. When Simon Peter prayed for the lame man, he admitted that he didn't have what the man desired, but he confidently expressed his source, his supply, and his reservoir in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus never said, apart from me, you can do a little. He never said, apart from me, you can do some. He never said, apart from me, you can do not much. But he did say, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus, we need your power. We need your victory. We need healing in this house. We need mental healing in this house tonight. We need spirit healing in this house tonight. We need physical healing in this house tonight. We need things to happen. Jesus is the Greek equivalent of the name Joshua. Jehovah is salvation. And through the name of Jesus, there is salvation. 
In Acts 4 and 12 said, There is no other name where there is salvation other than the name of Jesus. And the Lord said, Whatsoever word you do in word or deed, do it all in the name. We teach and preach in the name. We cast out devils in the name. We receive spiritual gifts in his name. We pray for the sick in his name. We gather together in his name. In his name, is there some kind of magical formula? No, but the speaking of his name is not hocus pocus or some verbal talisman, some supposed occult power. It's having faith in that name and what Jesus has accomplished. Now, either he is all God or he is no God. In my world, he is all God. He is all God. I almost did something kind of silly tonight. I almost brought my sandals to church tonight. So I could have pulled these off, hallelujah, and slipped into sandals and stood in the feet where Jesus walked in his sandals because he didn't have those kind of shoes because uh, Nordstrom Rack wasn't, wasn't here yet. <laughs> But I want to declare something to you. If I can step into the sandals of Jesus Christ and understand that it's not by me, but it's by him. It's not me, it's him. And I trust him completely. And I, 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 I adjure him completely in my life. I believe in him completely. I believe that God can give me whatsoever I ask, whatsoever I believe, and whatsoever I want him to do in my life. I'm not talking about my wants. I'm talking about my needs. God said, I will supply your need according, according to my riches and glory. I will take care of you. Now listen to me. Listen to me. David went up against Goliath, and I'm almost done. And all of Israel was scared silly of the giant because of his size and weaponry. His spear and his sword were gigantic, but David looked beyond the weaponry. He acknowledged it's superiority in the carnal realm, but David shouted, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And the same shepherd boy who refused the king's armor, Saul's, stepped into the shoes of the king of kings, and he fought this battle in the Lord's name. That's a powerful truth. Sometimes we are so lackadaisical a mighty archangel named Michael did not raise an accusation against Lucifer. He didn't even fight him. I believe he could have whipped him because he was the warring angel and he's going against a music director. <laughs> Put him in a UFC zone and I think Michael would have knocked him out. Put him in a chokehold and it'd been over. But he said, I'm not going to chokehold you, music pastor. I'm not going to do that since I am the warrior angel but what I'm going to do, I'm going to say, I resist you. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Here's what I want to declare you. We have to apply this lesson to our lives. When we step into his shoes, we clothe ourselves in his power. We wrap ourselves in his righteousness. We speak in his stead and our boldness is borrowed. Everybody say, God, God. give me some boldness, a whole lot of it. And Lord, I understand it's borrowed. And I close tonight, a borrowed boldness will bring victory. It will. At the gate called beautiful, Peter and John stepped into another man's shoes. And a lame man danced because of borrowed boldness. And victory comes through power in his name. That day, 5,000 souls were added to the church. Perhaps 
Christian Life Austin is one miracle away from such a revival. I walk out to the church every day now. I hear a real loud Woody Woodpecker out there. That, that thing that breaks open that concrete sounds like old Woody Woodpecker in a big old tree. But I love the sound. And I understand we're building something for a greater cause than ourselves. But the Lord has promised that this church will be the lighthouse of Austin, Texas. A long time before I ever got here. And I'm standing in those shoes today saying, bring your tired and your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free because there's a God at Christian Life Austin that can still save, he can still heal, he can still deliver, and he can still make the captive free. He still breaks chains. He still breaks chains. We need the borrowed boldness that brings the victory. When David defeated Goliath, the Philistines ran, and a shivering army of Israel suddenly rallied and chased the Philistines and defeated them. One man's boldness brought victory to the whole country. I wished I could get some moms and some dads and some young people and some people to pray with boldness like you've never prayed before. He said, the Bible said, he is able to do, say it with me, exceeding, exceeding. abundantly, abundantly, above that. Above. You're able, able to, ask to ask or think. Some of you say, I'm a smart man, Pastor. You can't think as big as God can do. It's time to start praying in boldness and believing. Here is our choice. We can walk in our own power and lose or step into his power and be victorious. My shoes will lead me astray. His will not. He walks in dark situations and brings light. He turns death to victory. He walks to the dead end of a grave and it becomes a thoroughfare. Because he lives, we live. The greater things shall we do. Get bold. Win a victory. Step into the shoes of the victor. Randy, if you'll help me. God inspired me to write a book several years ago. And I don't normally tell illustrations out of my book. But in the book that I wrote with a palm and a willow, I tell a story of a little Hasidic young man, a Jewish boy, that was held captive in a concentration camp during the war. And he and his fellow inmates were forced to stand barefooted on frozen icy ground. And one by one the inmates gave up and fell to their death because not only were they standing barefooted, they had no clothes. But this young Hasidic Jew remembered the voice of his rabbi. He said, when others give up and fall away, you dance before the Lord. You dance. And the young man began to think about God and his word and his heritage. And like Jeremiah, he must have felt a fire shut up in his bones. And like David, he began to feel a dance in spirit. And he felt the encouragement of ages past. And he felt the strength of another man's faith. And he sensed a mighty cloud of witnesses watching and ripping his feet from the ice. As his feet lost the bottom pallet, the young man began to dance and blood filled the ground. Most died that day, but not the dancer. because He was dancing in barred faith, and he was dancing on remembered lesson, and he was dancing in another man's shoes. Now, now, I am a recipient of the miraculous power of God. I've been healed. I've been healed physically as a baby. I've been healed emotionally 
as a young preacher. And I have been healed in my mind by a wonderful, wonderful marriage to a beautiful, beautiful lady. And I understand what it is to be healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I understand that. But I want to tell you something. I was on the other side one day. I needed healing when I was a babe. I needed an emotional healing when I was a young preacher. And I needed a spirit to bless me into my future. And God's done it all. He has done it all. Now here's what I want to say. We're not going to make a big issue out of this. It's just going to be simple faith. If you believe that God can do anything and God can do everything by the power of the name of Jesus Christ and whatever you have need of, I want you to stand right where you are. Don't do anything yet. I want you to stand right where you are. Just stand all over this place right where you are. Amen. I don't need everybody to stand because we have to have too many handicapped parking places out there. But some of you are standing because you understand that there's faith in this house tonight. There's faith in this house. Some of you need a miracle of the mind. You need a miracle right here because this is where the battle is. Some of you need a miracle in your heart because this is what God wants to control. Some of you need a miracle in your physical because you're crippled. You're literally physically crippled and God's able to do that tonight. And we're not going to have a healing line because there's a lot of folks in the house. But we're going to raise our hands like this right here. Come on, raise our hands like this right here. And I want you to, I want you to open your mouth. The Bible said when Joshua prayed the prayer of the sun to stand still, the Bible said there was not a day like it before or after that God hearkened to the voice of a man. Why don't we have one of those day afters tonight? Why don't we open up our mouth and not let the preacher have to do it for us? But open up our mouth and say, God, I need a spiritual healing. I need a mental touch. I need a physical touch in my body. And Lord, I'm going to believe boldly that you're going to do that for me. And you know what I'm going to do? When you start doing that, I'm, going to, I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to worry about it. Because God sees every hand that's raised. And he sees every heart that is praying bold prayers right now. Throw your hands up in the air real big right now. And say, God, I need you right now to do something in my life. And you name it. Come on, name it. Don't worry about what they're praying next to you. Start naming what you need from God. I need you to heal this. I need you to touch this. I need you to bless this. I need you to fix this. I need you to help my family. I need you to help my tomorrow. I need you right now. God, I need you right now. Step into the shoes. Come on. Step into the shoes of faith. Start dancing in your heart in those shoes of faith. And believe that God can do anything. Come on. Let the praises of God flow out of your heart right now. 